Welcome to the LifeSpring Church Podcast. May the Word of God be a blessing to you. Connect with us and consider giving online at lifespringchurch.us. Amen. So we've been talking here in February. We've dedicated February to stewardship. So I want to just jump right into our lesson today. But first, every good teacher does review. It's a pop quiz. <laughs> Who likes pop quizzes? Look at all the hands not go up. <laughs> so last Sunday we talked about stewardship. We introduced the idea of stewardship. And we talked about three different principles involved in stewardship. First was the principle of ownership. Who owns what? God owns all of it. Second was the principle of accountability. Accountability, the principle of accountability teaches us that even though God owns all of it, He entrusts us to use it for His purpose. And third was the principle of reward. If you are, I am good, I remembered all of them. <clears throat> we are faithful in stewardship by being faithful or understanding the, the principle of ownership. God owns everything. And if there's anything in my life, it's because God allowed it to be there and he's entrusted me to be a steward of it. Accountability is he's not only entrusted me to be a steward of it, he's entrusted me to manage it for his purpose. And if I'm faithful in those two principles, God said that he would open the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing so that there is not room enough to receive it. The principle of reward. Amen? So we introduced stewardship last Sunday. This Sunday, today, we are going to talk about two parts of stewardship. Well, we're going to begin that. First is tithing. So today we'll talk about tithing. And next Sunday, we're going to talk about offerings. Two successful businessmen went on a sailing adventure. During their journey, an unexpected storm blew in, wrecked their boat, and left both of them marooned on a deserted island in the middle of the sea. By the third day, one of the businessmen was pacing, just wearing his legs out, walking back and forth along the beach. Yet the other businessman was reclined peacefully, sitting back against the palm tree with his feet propped up. The first one frantically cried out to him, Aren't you afraid we're going to die? His friend replied, Oh, no, I'm not afraid at all. His friend said, How are you not afraid we're going to die? We're marooned on an island. Nobody knows where we are. We don't have any resources. We're about to die. We just got days left to live. His friend replied, hey, I'm a multimillionaire. I make thousands of dollars a week. And I'm also a faithful tither to my church. I guarantee you my pastor will find me. You probably figured it out. Today's lesson's about tithing. Stewardship, tithing. Tithing is our partnership with God. Have your Bibles. Let's go to 
Genesis. We're going to read in Genesis 4 and then in Genesis 14. Genesis 4. We'll start at 3. Genesis 4, 3. And in process of time it came that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord. And Abel, he also brought of the firstlings of his flock and of the fat thereof. And the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering. Let's flip over a few pages to Genesis 14. We'll start at verse 18. And Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought forth bread and wine, and he was the priest of the Most High God, and he blessed him and said, Blessed be Abraham of the Most High God, possessor of heaven and earth, and blessed be the Most High God, which hath delivered thine enemies into thine hands. And he, being Abraham, gave him, being Melchizedek, tithes of all. You can be seated. Thank you for standing for the reading of God's word today. In this passage that we just read, we, we see that Abraham was obedient to his heart's commitment to God. And in this commitment to God, he made a pledge. In his life. And this pledge was, I will give a tithe of all that I have to God. There was no law. There was no commandment. This is well before Moses and the Ten Commandments. There was no obligation upon Abraham to give a tenth to God. It was just a representation in Abraham's life of his partnership with God. Believing that if God was going to do all of this for him, bless him, multiply him, and deliver his enemies into his hand, then he wanted to use it back for God's purpose. And tithing was the method that he chose to honor God. Abraham, out of gratefulness and thankfulness, honored God. And so this is where Abraham sets for us an example the first time we see a set amount for giving a tithe unto God. Sue, see anybody here today that's just baby brand new to church and serving God? So this may be an easy question for you this morning. Anybody know what the word tithe means? One-tenth. Simply means tenth. Tithing is giving God back the first tenth of all of our increase. So in stewardship, it is taking the first 10% God has entrusted me with and using it back for his purpose. Tithing is prescriptive. What I mean by prescriptive is it's laid out for us. It's procedurally laid out for us in scripture. There shouldn't be any question about what a tithe is or what we should tithe or, or where tithing comes from. It's very much laid out in Scripture. It's the first 10% of our increase we entrust back to God. We find in Scripture that God oftentimes uses this measurement of a tenth. Time wouldn't allow us today to go through all of them, but I would, I would encourage you this week, if you have a a phone that has the Bible app on, I'm sure it has a search function. Or if you go to Bible Gateway or Blue Letter Bible, 
do a word search on just this one word, tenth, T-E-N-T-H, in the, New King, or in the King James, tenth. You will find in Leviticus and Numbers and Deuteronomy where God's giving the law out to the people and he's giving them the procedures for offering and the procedures for sacrifice. The word tenth or the measurement of a tenth is used often. A tenth of an omar, a tenth of your increase, a tenth of this, a tenth of that. Always God was using the measurement of a tenth to describe what he wanted the people to bring to him. Or a measurement God wanted them to use in making their sacrifice to him. So tithing financially isn't just the new idea for a tenth. It was all throughout God's expectation for his people. But tithing is more than just a tenth. Pastor, there's always more. Tithing is more than just a tenth. Tithing is not just any tenth. Tithing is the first tenth. Because God loves firsts. Look at your neighbor, or maybe yell across the aisle. God loves firsts. We read the story of Cain and Abel, right, in Genesis chapter 4, verses 3 and 4. And process the time it came that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord. I want to pause there. That's verse 3, Genesis 4 and 3. Cain worked the ground. Cain was faithful in his talents and his ability to farm and cultivate the soil. He knew the right time to plant the seed. He knew the right procedure and processes to, to keep the weeds out and to protect the seed. He knew how to support the seedling once it began to grow. He knew how to, to fertilize and feed and care for and maintain the, the growing crops and fruit of the ground. To the point that it matured and it was ready to be picked off of the vine or plucked off of the stalk or whatever this fruit of the ground was. He grew it to maturity. He sweated, he toiled, and he worked for it. And it was out of that he gave to God. Okay? Verse 4. And Abel, he also brought of the firstlings of his flock and of the fat thereof. And the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering. Notice... In verse 4, there's a word included describing Abel's offering that's not included in Cain's offering. Abel did the same thing. He took the animals. He cared for them. If they were sick, he gave them medicine to get them well. If they were lost, he found them. If they were injured, he mended them. He fed them. He cultivated them. He watched them grow and mature. And then it came time to take an offering to God. He didn't just go into his storehouse of increase and grab some of his store and bring it to God. That's what Cain did. He just brought her the fruit of the ground. He went into the storehouse and said, I'm going to take this part and offer it to God. The Bible says Abel took the firstlings of his flock. He didn't just go find some in his flock, he found the firstlings, the firstborns, the ones that were the first of his increase, 
and he brought those to God. Because God loves firsts. And so now we see this biblical principle of tithing being more than just 10%, but what we give to God should be a statement of priority in our life. It should be the first of what God has blessed us with. Proverbs 3 and 9 says, Honor the Lord with thy substance and with any fruit. No, no, no. And with the first fruits of all thine increase. Psalms 50, 14 through 15. Offer unto God thanksgiving and pay thy vow unto the Most High. And call upon me in the day of trouble. I will deliver thee and thou shalt glorify me. Here's what tithing is. Tithing is your partnership with God. And in paying tithes we speak of our faith in God and our commitment towards God and our priority of God. My pastor, Stan Gleason, taught us that there are two not commonly recognized theological documents in our life. Yea, there's three theological documents in our life. First theological document we're all familiar with is the Bible. If we want to know good theology, we'll study the Bible. The other two theological documents in our life are our calendar and our check registry. They both speak of priority. They both speak of our investment, of time and treasure. They speak to where we set God in priority in our lives. Tithing is a priority statement. It says, I will place God first in the spending of my money even before my earthly obligations. If I overextend myself, is that God's fault? But God said, if I will be faithful to him, he promised that he would open the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing that there not be room enough to receive it. You see, we fall under the Cain syndrome when we should have the Abel syndrome. We overextend ourselves and we say, well, I'm going to go pick up hours and I'm going to go get more job and I'm going to go get more resource and I'm going to go work harder and then I'll give to God out of what I've produced as an increase. That's Cain syndrome. Abel syndrome is I will give out of what God gives me as an increase. Abel had no ability to make livestock reproduce the reproduction of his livestock was an act of God causing baby cows and baby sheep and baby chickens to all be born and hatched and he said out of the first of God's increase in my life I will give back to him now we're talking about faith now we're talking about faith it's quiet today now we're talking about faith. Pastor's in our pocketbooks. He's messing around today. Faith says, if I honor God, he will honor me. Faith says, if I'll be obedient to the principle of ownership, the principle of accountability, and the principle of reward, they all work together in tandem. I can't expect reward if I'm not accountable and I don't recognize God as owner. But if I do, he will meet all of my needs 
according to his riches in glory. I had a saint one time come to me. Pastor, I'm on a very limited income. I just don't know about tithing and offerings. And in transparency, pastors don't like these conversations. They're necessary. And we, can, we can have them. They're just not comfortable. Because some would think the idea of a pastor is we're trying to reach people. We're trying to build relationships with people. We're trying to build people up. We're trying to get people in the church. So having conversations that say, well, even though it's uncomfortable, the Bible says God will reward you and God will take care of the rest. It's an act of faith. Go ahead. And so we admonish that saint to, to go ahead and be faithful in their tithing and to, to set an amount according to their budget for offerings. And we'll talk about offerings next week and what that means. And so this faithful, the saint was faithful in continuing. Even though there wasn't much to give, they gave what they could. Ended up with a new job. Ended up with a pay raise. Ended up with a new house. The principle of reward. If you're faithful to God, he will reward you. God promises, if you will make him first in priority, he will make up the difference. John 6, 33. But seek ye first the kingdom of, or excuse me, Matthew 6, 33. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. That applies to our money just as well as all the other topics we've put that on, right? Amen. Let's talk about Jacob. You're just familiar with the story of Esau and Jacob. Jacob tricks his brother, steals the birthright. His brother, who is a hunter, says, I'm going to kill you. Jacob believed him and said, I'm out. Packs his bags and runs for his life. I probably would too if I had a brother that was a skilled hunter and a woodsman and said he's going to kill me. I'd sleep with one eye open until I got far enough away that I was safe. And Jacob's on his journey and he comes to a place and he lays down and he takes some rocks and he makes a pillow out of them. During his sleep, he has a spiritual dream. He sees angels ascending and descending on the ladder. This ladder reaches from heaven to earth. So here's Jacob, a spiritual dream. He makes some commitments to God. He wakes up. He takes those stones, makes an altar out of them. But look at the condition of Jacob. A trickster, a traitor, conniving, a liar. has a spiritual dream, he's flat broke, has nothing to his name. It's probably starting to set in by now that he just gave away all of his father's inheritance to his brother. He has no future. And this is the vow he vows to God while flat broke. Genesis 28, 20 through 22. And Jacob vowed a vow saying, if God will be with me, 
and will keep me in this way that I go and will give me bread to eat and raiment to put upon so that I come again to my father's house in peace. Then shall the Lord be my God. And this stone which I have set for a pillar shall be God's house. And of all that thou shalt give me, I will surely give the tenth unto thee. I'm seeing something with the patriarchs. They're committed to giving back to God financially. It's something that's within them to be a giver. If you know the story of Jacob, you you realize that this man, young man, running for his life, broke, destitute, with a bounty on his head, goes to Laban's house. With only dust in his pockets, he begins the work. He leaves Laban's house with riches. God abundantly blessed him. He was chosen by God to be the first one in fulfilling the promise of Abraham. For God changed his name from Jacob to Israel in in a wrestling match. And then he has 12 sons, and those 12 sons become the leaders of the 12 tribes of Israel. The people today still known as God's chosen people. You want to tell me committing to God and making a vow to God doesn't pay off in the end? Just look at the life of Jacob. Oh, it wasn't always easy. It wasn't always a bed of roses. He met an uncle that was just as conniving as he was. But despite the dishonesty in their relationship, he left blessed. He left with herds. You should go to Genesis. If you haven't got there yet in your, biblical, in your Bible reading this year, you'll get there. You'll read the story in Genesis. The guy that showed up at Laban's house with dust in his pockets leaves to go meet his brother Esau and read about the different bands that he sent before him. Multitudes. Of all that he sent before. This is how God repays. This is how God honors his promise to us to be faithful to him. Now this is tithing all before the Mosaic law. And God did codify tithing with the law. Up to this point before Moses and the the giving of the tablets and all of the law, Abraham and Jacob were, were giving out of a personal responsibility they felt to God, a personal commitment and partnership with God. However, when God gave the the law to Moses on Mount Sinai, Tithing was included. Now you may be reciting the Ten Commandments in your mind and you're saying, I don't see tithing in the Ten Commandments. That's because the Ten Commandments were a portion of the law that was given to the children of Israel. They were, there was additional laws and, and rules and commitments that were handed out to the children of Israel. There was community law, there was ceremonial law, there was religious law. If you go to Deuteronomy 14 and 22, we'll read one of those commandments. Thou shalt, sounds like a commandment to me, truly tithe all the increase of thy seed that the field bringeth forth year by year. God was establishing an avenue where his plan could be fulfilled in their lives.
So this includes, there's coming a day, right, where God gives Moses the tabernacle plan, and God gives Moses the, the plan for all the furnishings of the tabernacle, and those that are supposed to work the tabernacle, and, and how all the people of Israel were supposed to, to live around the tabernacle as they're traveling towards the promised land. And this even becomes the blueprint of the temples that are built in Jerusalem. God's laying out a plan even in the wilderness for how that he's going to provide for the work of the tabernacle in the temple. Numbers 18 and 21. It says, And behold, I have given the children of Levi all the tenth in Israel for inheritance, for their service which they serve, even the service of the tabernacle of the congregation. There's a reason why God called out the, the Levites those of the tribe of Levi, in this verse. When the children of Israel come into the promised land of God, God did not give the children of Levi, the Levites, any portion of land. They were chosen to work in the tabernacle. The priests and the Levites did not own property. They did not farm food. They did not produce product to sell. All of their provision was provided through the tithing of the people. This same principle is true in the church today. Paul taught this principle in his second letter to the church in Corinth. Well, I guess it's his first letter since it's 1 Corinthians. I should type my notes better. 1 Corinthians 9.13 Do you not know that they which minister about holy things live of the things of the temple? And they which wait at the altar are partakers with the altar? Even so hath the Lord ordained that they which preach the gospel should live of the gospel. It's God's plan and God's will that tithing would be used to support ministry. Now hold on, stay with me. I'm not stopping here. There's more. We are a small church and we're a growing church. And I think it's a righteous goal for us as a church to grow to a point of tithing where it can support ministry of the church. But you can look around. We're not there yet. That doesn't relinquish, relinquish us from the goal. It doesn't relinquish us from the ambition. It doesn't relinquish us from growing to that point. The principle that God has laid out isn't null and void because of the number of people or the financial resources of our church, it's still a truth and it's something we seek to obtain and we move towards. This message is not about lining my pockets. It's not a ploy to make the preacher rich. And to be honest, if it comes across that way today, then I fail in my ability to communicate just a simple biblical principle. Even maybe these next few moments while I speak to you, I just want to share with you. I don't want to, I don't want to build up myself or my family or, or anything. This isn't about grandiose plans for us to become rich off the church. It's the plan of God that Livespring Church would be able to financially support ministry. And that will happen someday. But our family made choices when we came to plant this church that ensured that we wouldn't be a two-year and done deal. 
that ensured we wouldn't be five years in a flash and over with. I told my pastor when I was telling him about my calling and feeling the, the draw to come back to Springfield and plant a church, I told him what I'm about to tell you. I told our North American missions director what I'm about to tell you, and I told my presbyter of our section what I'm about to tell you. God called us to plant a church in Springfield. And part of that calling was we needed to be in a place financially that we could support planting a church in Springfield. So our family made some sacrifices to do that. This is not for our glory or for our honor, but I want you to know our family, my family, is financially bought into this idea of growing a church in Springfield. We believe God called us here, and as part of that, we made sacrifices and do make sacrifices for it. As part of that calling, we wanted to financially be invested. This is the reason why we paid off our debt before moving to Springfield. There's a reason why when we moved to Springfield with two boys, we moved into a two-bedroom apartment. God bless our neighbors. It's because we're financially invested in this church. I'm not here today to rake in all of your tithes into a bank account so we can write a fat check out to the pastor. That's not what this is about today. I'm teaching to us today a biblical principle that tithing is a partnership with God and God uses that partnership to support the ministry. That's what tithing is. I guess to further establish the point, even our bylaws have a restriction on how much of the tithing the pastor can take. So you don't have to be afraid that the pastor is just going to take the tithing account and swish and swap it right over into his bank account. It's not possible. Not even with our bylaws is it possible. So I do have a secular job, and there's a reason I have a secular job. The first reason I have a secular job is because the tithings don't support the ministry of the church. That's obvious. Those two boys like to eat, and so does their father. I can't talk about mom and the baby. <laughs> Secondly, it provides income for our family, obviously. But it's more than just that. It provides additional finances to help plant this church and, and to help this church grow. So, so you know I pay tithes at the LifeSpring Church just like you do. And if I have income that comes in from ministerial obligations, I pay that tithes as according to my commitments to the Missouri district. But my secular job, my tithes comes here, just like yours. It's God's plan for there to be provision for ministry. And when you partner with God, you create the avenue for ministry to grow and to mature inside of a local church. Amen? We all good? All makes sense? Good. Tithing wasn't just an Old Testament principle. Even Jesus taught tithing. Matthew 23 and 23. Jesus is scolding the scribes and Pharisees. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees. Hypocrites. 
What would happen if a minister started off his sermon like that nowadays? <laughs> Here's what he says. For you pay tithes of mint and anise and cumin and have omitted the weightier matters of the law, judgment, mercy, and faith. These ought you have done and not to leave the other undone. Let's break it down. He scolds them a little bit for their wealth and their stinginess and their parading of their wealth. Because not everybody possessed mint and anise and cumin. They didn't eat meals that were well spiced and had all of the elegance of the culture around them. He says, oh, you, you went to your abundance and you give out of your abundance. And in doing so, everybody sees that, oh, look, they brought in mint and anise and cumin for offering today, for their tithing today. They brought in the, the fancy spice cart. Look at them. Woo, aren't they rich? He says, but you've forgotten the, the smaller matters. And he scolds them about the law and judgment and mercy and faith. But in doing so, he says, you should have mercy and faith and judgment and obey the law. But don't forget about the other stuff, too. So go ahead and keep tithing and add to your tithing being a good Christian. So Jesus was in agreement that we should tithe. Because Jesus didn't abolish the law. Jesus came to fulfill the law. Matthew 5, 17 and 18. Think not that I am come to destroy the law or the prophets. I am not come to destroy but to fulfill. For verily I say unto you, until heaven and earth pass away, one jot or one tittle shall in no wise pass from the law till it all be fulfilled. So what is the law that God is talking about? He's talking about the, full, the fullness of the law. Now, we often read this verse of Scripture, and we understand that, that this is God become the Lamb of God slain from the foundation of the earth to save us. He becomes the substitute Lamb whose blood was shed to redeem us. It's the ceremonial law of atonement where God becomes our Redeemer. This is salvation. But the laws of God are bigger than just salvation. The principles of God go deeper the, than just salvation. We can dig into this. We can put our roots down into the scripture and we find there's greater meaning than just around our salvation. Second Chronicles chapter 31, uh, verse 4. Moreover, he commanded the people that dwell in Jerusalem to give the portion of the priests and the Levites that they might be encouraged in the law of God. And as soon as the commandment came abroad, the children of Israel brought in abundance the... First fruits, tithe of corn, wine, oil, honey, and all the increase in the field, and the tithe of all things brought they in abundantly. At the pause. We'll pause that point and go to a sub point. We often give Cain a hard time because he brought the fruit of the ground. And I've preached it, and I'll probably preach it again, that he should have brought a blood sacrifice. But I don't know that's the whole reason why his offering was rejected. 
He just gave of his abundance. He didn't bring first fruits. Because here in Chronicles, God commanded that they bring the first fruit of the ground, and he received it because it was not any fruit, it was first fruits. God likes priority. God loves first. And so here, the commandment is made that you'll bring these first fruits unto the high priest. Well, who is our high priest? The old law isn't done away with, it's not abolished. Jesus Christ came to fulfill the law. So now we bring our first fruits, our tithes, to the Lord. This is why tithing is a partnership with God. It's a commitment between you and God with your financial well-being. Jesus is our high priest. He's become our Melchizedek. Hebrews 7, 1 through 7 says, For this Melchizedek, king of Salem, prince of the most high God, who met Abraham returning from the slaughter of the kings and blessed him, to whom also Abraham gave a tenth part of all, first being by interpretation king of righteousness, and after that also king of Salem, we're describing who Melchizedek is here, which is king of peace, no father, no mother, no descendants, neither beginning of days nor end of time, but made like unto the Son of God, abideth a priest continually. Who is our high priest? Who is the representation of Melchizedek to us now? Jesus Christ. He is the fulfillment of the idea of Melchizedek. Now consider how great this man was unto whom even the patriarch Abraham gave the tenth of the spoils. And verily they that are the sons of Levite who received the office of the priesthood and commandment to take tithes of the people according to the law, that is, of their brethren, though they come out of the loins of Abraham. But he whose descendants is not counted from them received tithes of Abraham and blessed him that had promises. Verse 7. And without all contradiction, the less is blessed of the better. Now that's a crazy wording of a verse in the Bible. But let's talk about this principle first of Jesus has now become our high priest. This is what tithing is. It's a commitment. It's a partnership with God. You don't give your tithes to the pastor. You give your tithes to God. You don't partner with the church financially through tithing. Spoiler alert. Offerings is your partnership with the church. Come next Sunday to hear about that. Tithing is your partnership with God. And the commandment of the Old Testament was that the tithes would be given to the high priest. And the high priest would then use them for the office and the working of the tabernacle. It's the same commitment with us today. I give my tithing to God and God uses it for the ministry of the church. But this last verse that we read, and without all contradiction, meaning there's no argument about it, the less is blessed of the better. Can I break that down to you in 2023, just common English language? The 90%, which is less, is blessed for the better and will go further in your life than the 100%. I often make the comment, and I tell you I have Bible for it. Here it is. God's blessing on your 90%, you will go further in life 
than if you keep your 100%. Because God's blessing on 100% is far better than his curse on your, or God's blessing on your 90% is far better than his curse on your 100%. This is where we go back to Malachi. We're going to do it every Sunday. Have we robbed God? How have we robbed God? In your tithes and offerings. If we'll give of our tithes and offerings. He said he would open the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing so that there would not be room enough to receive it. Cain thought he was doing all that he could and he was living on 100% of what he could produce. But if he would have lived off of the 90% blessed of God, he would have had abundance greater than anything else. So not only will God open the windows of heaven, but go read it, Malachi chapter 3. Not only does he bless you financially, but it says he will rebuke the devourer off your life. The devil beating up on you? Bring tithes to church. Well, that don't make sense. Sometimes it doesn't make sense to our human mind. But I'm telling you, if you'll be faithful to God, he will rebuke the devourer off of your life. I'm coming to a close. Don't look at your watches. I'm going to ask us as a church to do something crazy. You ready to do something crazy? It's not that crazy. You're like, tell me what it is before I commit. <laughs> the Bible says, these signs shall follow them that believe. Right? They lay hands on the sick, they'll recover. Anything you ask, pray for, God will meet it. Paul was preaching and he went to a, writing one of his letters, he says, I don't come to you with enticing words of men's wisdom, but I come to you for a demonstration. On February 26th, that's two Sundays from today. We are going to have a tithing demonstration Sunday. You're like, what in the world are you talking about? Here's what we're going to do. On the 26th, I'm asking that everybody would pay tithes on the 26th for that week's increase. And we're going to see what God does. We're going to see it demonstrated that if you'll be faithful to God financially, he will pour back into your life. Then there's some people who say, well, I already tithe. I tithe monthly, or I tithe every two weeks. Great. Just so that you can be in unity with the rest of us, figure out whatever it is you're tithing, and let's all bring a tithe on February 26th. That might mess up your accounting. I'm sorry. Let's bring a tithe on February 26th. And I believe, remember, this year we're stretching our faith. We're taking steps of faith. We believe it enough to act on it. That God's going to reward. We'll be faithful in ownership. We'll be faithful in accountability. And God will be faithful in the reward. What if you'd stand with me this morning? Here in just a minute, I want to ask you all to come forward. We'll close with a word of prayer together. 
will pray about stewardship and tithing and the commitment partnering with God because it really is about our heart stewardship's not about money stewardship is about the heart I don't have time this morning to tell you all the stories or rather I'm not going to take the time to tell you all the stories today but me and my wife know what it feels like to be dirt of a church slept in a bed we didn't own used a shower that wasn't mine woke up with bugs crawling on my face we've been places but in every commitment that I made to God it wasn't about the money it's always a matter of the heart stewardship and particularly tithing isn't so much about the money it's about a commitment of the heart it's personal matter of fact as the pastor today I'm just teaching you a biblical principle the, the enactment or the fulfillment of this principle really has nothing to do with me I'm just the announcer standing on the sidelines yelling this is the next play slipped off the Super Bowl moment. The coach is screaming to the quarterback, this is the next play. The coach has nothing to do with how that play is executed. It's the players on the field that have to execute. And so when you follow God's plan, God responds back to you. It's a matter of the heart. May I ask you, pointed questions today. Where are you in your tithing covenant with God? Thank you for listening to the LifeSpring Church Podcast. Join us in person on Sundays at 11 a.m. Visit us online at lifespringchurch.us.